Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Again, here we are on Good Friday. We're nearing the end of what's referred to in many churches as Holy Week, or as Elder Skibbenis referred to it on Sunday, especially in consideration of what Jesus' fellow humans did to him, Unholy Week. In other countries and other parts of the world, a lot of the populace actually recreates a death march in honor of Jesus' sacrifice. And at the end of it, the streets are deathly silent. No one goes out anywhere or does anything that Saturday, and everyone gears up to burst out in celebration of Jesus' resurrection that Sunday. It's kind of moving when you think of it. It's, It's foreign to us here living in America. But thousands of people in each of these cities taking part in an annual observance where you experience the the heart-wrenching sadness and connection with what Jesus put himself through for our salvation, culminating in a tangible and electric excitement in celebrating his resurrection and all the hope that it gives to us. Jesus' death and resurrection really did change the entire world. In John chapter 1, 9 through 11, we, we read, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. When you read through the gospel accounts of what happened to our Savior on this day about 1,991 years ago, we see the cruel juxtaposition of who Jesus really is side by side to what was done to him. The King of Kings, the Word, the archetype of the entire universe, 
the one who is both the ruler and the blueprint of the order of the universe, the one, as John mentions earlier on in his gospel, is the embodiment and agent of the thoughts of God for creation and making them become a reality, the word. The one to whom all of us and every living thing and really everything that has ever existed owes our very existence to. That king's crown of absolute authority was cruelly replaced by a crown of thorns wound together. The brow that the king once wore the crown of heaven upon, the commander-in-chief of the angelic armies of heaven was sliced up by a man-made and crudely made symbol of mockery. These thorns dug into the top sides and forehead of his head. And to get the point of pain across even further, the soldiers who shoved this crown onto his head made sure it sunk as deeply into his scalp as possible by beating it onto and into his head with rods. The whole point of this crown forced upon the king by his own creation was pain, physical pain and the emotional pain of powerless humiliation. The back of the pre-incarnate Son of God, the one who visited Abraham and reiterated to him that God would miraculously give him a son, the one whose body strength wrestled with Jacob, the warrior who visited the home of the Egyptians and took the lives of their firstborn sons. And the one whose back was seen by Moses and Moses alone as Moses was hidden in the cleft of a rock and God passed by. That back was shredded apart by whips called cat of nine tails with shards of glass and broken pottery tied to the ends. This instrument of torture was designed to rip as much flesh as possible from a criminal's back. To teach him a lesson and teach those looking on to not break the law. But the back that was shredded apart was not guilty of any crimes. Nor justly should it have been an example of broken laws. The humans he loved rejected him and tore his back apart instead. The legs of the Messiah who walked to the point of exhaustion for three years straight only to bring the good news of God's kingdom, to preach that good news to the earthly poor and to the poor in spirit, to bring spiritual freedom to those held captive by addiction and the demonic powers of the evil one, and to elevate those at the bottom of the societal barrel to see their worth in God's eyes, the legs that walked on water those legs were marched through the streets of Jerusalem into the place called Golgotha, or the skull, the place of death. And all the while, the voices of those he created and loved jeered and mocked him all along that way. The hands of the deliverer 
that multiplied a few loaves of bread and fish to feed thousands of people, the hands that touched those suffering for their entire lives with disabilities and blindness and the inability to walk and healed them, giving them entirely new lives, the hands that reached out to and brought ruthless demons out of people, the hands that built humans out of the dirt at the time of creation, those hands were held to the sides of a roughly hewn cross and had railroad-sized spikes driven through them. The voice, the voice that spoke the stars, moon, sun, rock strata, H2O, light, molecules, reproducing plants and animals, blood cells, immune systems, the gigantic celestial bodies on the fringes of the universe, the gigantic sea creatures in the depths of the ocean, snow, rain, lightning, vitamins and minerals, time, reason, logic, order, and everything that makes up every single system and minutest detail of the human body. In short, every Everything in existence, the voice that calmed the raging storm, the voice that raised more than one person from the dead and shouted, Lazarus, come forth. The voice that commanded demons to shut up. And the voice that undermined all the temptations put forth by the prince of darkness himself. That voice was forced to be used to cry out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And at the end of all the torment and excruciating pain inflicted on those, he was still asking the Father to forgive, or by those, he was still asking the Father to forgive as he hung dying on the cross. That voice was used to declare, It is finished. The mission was over. The ministry was complete. The sacrifice was made. And at that moment, Scripture tells us the entire earth roiled in response. The sun was extinguished. The earth gave way to horrible quaking. The heavy veil in Herod's temple that separated the Holy of Holies, that place that represented God's presence, cut off from the rest of the world, was torn in two from top to bottom. Heaven to earth. And an onlooking, thoroughly pagan Roman soldier was forced to admit surely we just humiliated and tortured and murdered the Son of God. And all of this was done by the King of creation. For the creation that did all of these unspeakably horrific things to him. The Son was obedient to the Father in every way, and in doing so, one salvation for every human that acknowledges it was their personal sin that was laid on the perfect sacrificial lamb. When we come to a place and we realize that our, son, our sin separates us from most holy God and we are powerless to fix it, and we recognize that the innocent king took our place on the cross for our sin, and we repent of that sin, and we ask most holy God to forgive us from that sin, all of the horribleness that happened that Friday 2,000 years ago is suddenly made beautiful. It's suddenly made hopeful. Why? 
because of what we'll celebrate on Sunday. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose again to, unto new life and lives again to give us new life. When we ask God for forgiveness from our sin because of Jesus dying in our place for our sin, we are given the new life of being adopted into God's family and we are given the hope of eternal life spent with him. Don't let everything that Jesus went through for you 2,000 years ago be in vain. If you never repented of your sin, you never asked for forgiveness of that sin, do that right now. And acknowledge him for who he truly is, the king, not only of the universe, but over the rest of your life, living it to please him and him alone. As we are about to partake in communion, let us also not belittle Jesus' sacrifice by partaking in it while knowingly continuing to harbor sin in our lives. As scripture says, when we do that, we spit on Jesus' sacrifice and eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. Repent of any held on to sin in your life right now as well. And as all of us partake in these elements of communion, let us truly reflect on what eating, what represents Jesus' broken body truly means. And what drinking, what represents Jesus' spilled blood truly means. It was all in obedience to the Father, and it was all to pour out his love upon us. So hopefully, every one of you were able to pick up uh, one of our individual pre-filled cups here.